All right, guys, welcome back to Southeastern 14. I am here with the one and only. We're going we're gonna to label him the one and only Brian Edwards here moving forward because we have been telling you guys, and all of you laugh at us in all of the like picks videos we do. You, you always laugh at us because we say, we make sure to tell you we are not professional betters. Like, I'm not a professional better. Chris is not a professional better. Blaine's not a professional better. But I am here to tell you we have solved this issue because. Brian Edwards is a professional better, and he's a very good one at that. Um, he is the senior handicapper at Vegas Insider. Find his work. You can see on the ticker there, majorwager.com, brianedwardsports.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Vegas B. Edwards. Brian, I'm so glad we could make this happen because you are going to make our audience much more happy because they don't have to listen to us repeat to them, we are not professional betters because now we've got one. So, <laughs> Good deal. Uh, it sounds like I'm going to be on the hook for it, so I better pick some winners. <laughs> so uh, Glad to be here, Blake. Thanks for having me and uh, fired up to uh, join you guys on a, a regular basis moving forward. Yeah, so Brian will be a regular contributor for us um, here moving forward through football season, college basketball season. So um, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And just so you guys know, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you will be seeing this in clip form as you're used to. So the different topics you'll see in different videos. But if you want to find the full show start to finish without it kind of clipped up as we do on YouTube, you can find that on our podcast. So just go to any podcast app you use, search for Southeastern 14. We'll have the entire video or entire audio podcast posted there. But uh, again, we'll kind of clip this up as we usually do based on the teams and topics. But all right, Brian, let's start things off here. Um, we're going to look at some win totals because I think that's something as we get closer to the season, a lot of people are intrigued by. Um, and I know you've got three teams in particular we're going to discuss here today, um, looking at some teams. And I know you're 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 loving the, the overs on these three teams. Uh, let's start with the defending SEC West champion LSU, who we know, and we will talk about the LSU Florida State game uh, here at the end of the episode. But LSU... Nine and a half is that number now, or again, it, it may fluctuate depending on where you look, but I know, Brian, you are big on the LSU over nine and a half wins this season. I am, and for those um, that haven't bet a lot of regular se or went season win totals, it is for regular season games only, so if they get to the conference championship or a, a bowl game, that's irrelevant. After the regular season finale uh, ends, these bets will grade, and uh, the one little rule, if you will, that, that you need to know is that if any games get postponed, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's what what whatever makes a game get canceled and it's only an 11 game regular season or if you know if you're betting on Hawaii obviously they have 13 if one game gets canceled the bet becomes a no play so hopefully um we won't have that uh with LSU I really like the Tigers I think they're going to repeat uh in the SEC West uh just start with a little personnel uh love Jaden Daniels 885 rushing yards a team high last year 11 touchdowns 17 to 3 TDI and T ratio I think he's got a, a legit all-American candidate and Malik, Na Malik Neighbors uh, at the wide receiver uh, position. I, I really like their running back room a lot. They've at, they've got all their top uh, rushers back, and they've added Logan Diggs, uh, the running back uh, from Notre Dame. And I, I think after you watched the uh, second half of the Georgia game last year, uh, Nussmeyer was slinging it around pretty good. And, you know, when you bet a win total over, you you got to factor in that there's the potential for your quarterback to get hurt. I mean, obviously, yeah. if your quarterback's elite and he gets a season-ending injury, um, that that's bad. But I mean, you got to factor in that you know maybe he gets hurt for a game or two, 
And you could make the argument Georgia's defense maybe let down in the second half in Atlanta last year because they had such a big lead. But um, Nussmeyer, Nussmeyer passed the eye test. So, I mean, I think they've got two quarterbacks that they can win with. Um, defensive, defensively, um, Makai Wingo uh, made a couple of, you know, the third team All-American per uh, Phil Steele's magazine uh, last year. Uh, he's back. Um I love Harold Perkins, man. I think he's one of the top players in the country. Uh, had a fantastic freshman campaign. I think he'll be even better this year. I think the guy's a legit superstar. And then, you know, Brian Kelly hit the portal, uh, added 14 transfers, one of them five-star, eight of them four-stars, the number five overall recruiting class. But in terms of transfer-specific, the number two class and added some big time talent on defense. I love Omar Spates, the linebacker, 39 career starts at Oregon State, 308 tackles, 25 tackles for loss, led a, a real salty Oregon State defense and tackles last year that my Gators unfortunately had the uh, misfortune of uh, getting pimp slapped by and uh, just added a lot of other uh, excellent pieces. Darian Chestnut, uh, a corner that started 24 games at Syracuse. Zy Alexander, albeit at the FCS level at Southeast Louisiana, but it had nine interceptions uh, and 29 career starts the last uh, few years. But um, yeah, really like LSU's talent. Mason Smith, a defensive tackle. Uh, another guy is a potential um, All-American. Mason Taylor at tight end. Um, so lots of talent. Uh, for LSU, and you look at the schedule, um, I initially marked them 9-0 and with three swing games, uh, being at Alabama, where they're actually a seven-point underdog in games of the year, at Ole Miss, where they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and at Mississippi State, where they're a nine-point favorite. You could also call the FSU game a swing game, but um, I've already bet LSU laying a small number, so obviously I think they're going to get that one. I do think they get the game in Starkville. Uh, as well, the game at Ole Miss could certainly uh, be tricky and the Alabama game. But um, even if they lose, you know, those two, they would be 10 and two. Uh, and I think they've got a great chance to be 11 and one. And uh, those are some reasons why I'm on the Tigers. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's um, if, if people have watched our our bold predictions we did. Um, I think Chris and I both had Chris had Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman, so that's how high we are on, on LSU. And we all picked LSU to win the SEC West um, in our picks we did this summer. And so, yeah, I'm I think we're all kind of there with you uh, in terms of kind of looking at LSU. And, and again, the schedule I think sets up. There are potential pitfalls, but I think when you look at the way the schedule sets up, especially that back end where they play five of their last six games in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean it's just that's a nice place to be late in the season after the grind of kind of where things are earlier in the season, as you know. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really good spot for the Tigers. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, Ole Miss is an interesting team because I think a lot of people look at Ole Miss and, and it's feel like this has been the trend the past couple of years, right? Transfers, transfers, transfers. Like Lane Kiffin is bringing in guys. Um, that is definitely something, you know, he's taking advantage like a lot of other coaches have and they've got some talent coming in. But as we know, too, they got some pretty good talent coming back, especially that running back position uh, with Quinshawn Judkins and kind of what they can do offensively. So I know Ole Miss is one that you also like to go over uh, seven and a half wins for this one. Yes, I do. And I, I had them uh, to go over seven and a half last year as well. And they got there with that win uh, at Texas A&M. Uh, 
it was either, I think it was the first Saturday of November. So got it with uh, three games to spare. And that's a good thing because they <laughs> lost all, all three of those. But uh, yeah, Lane did a great job again uh, in the portal. He got uh, 20 guys, uh, eight of them. Uh, were four stars, his uh, transfer-specific class per 247 Sports composite uh, was ranked uh, fifth. And, you know, I mentioned with LSU, anytime you bet an over, you got to, you know, feel good about the backup quarterback. Well, I think they feel good about three three guys. I know yeah. Walker Howard doesn't have a um, – a lot of experience, but, um, you know, he's one of those four-star, uh, transfers, uh, and Jackson Dart had, had a pretty good year, uh, last year, but, um, and, you know, we'll see how things go here the next couple of weeks, but, um, all things equal. And I, I know they're not because Dart's got a year, you know, on him in, in the system, but I, I think if Spencer Sanders shoulder is right, I, I think he is, uh, probably going to be the best, uh, best guy for them especially the way lane likes to run his quarterbacks not that i mean dart ran for 614 uh yards last year so he he can obviously uh run it too but sanders um you know 41 career starts and look he was having a really good season last year i mean they were undefeated in that the same day alabama was playing tennessee and they had that double overtime thriller um at tcu where they come up short uh in ot i want to say it was double overtime but that's when he hurt his shoulder and then he was okay they bounced back the next week against texas but then it really started bothering him again and their their season just went downhill um, from there. And then they were just an inch away from winning the big 12 uh, the year before that. So anyway, Lane's got uh, some good QBs. He, he loses a couple of, uh, you know, good, good wide receivers, but that late portal ad and Zakari Franklin was huge from UTSA. I mean, he's the all time leading uh, receiver in UTSA history by a lot, by like nearly uh, a thousand yards. Uh, they also get Trey Harris, 21 career starts at La Tech. They've got uh, a tight end transferring in that was first time, or excuse me, first team all AAC uh, at Memphis. Um, defensively, you know, they were terrific early in the year when the schedule was soft and, and you know, kind of struggled uh, down the stretch. But, it, you know, he got some reinforcements via the portal. But I, I still have some concerns about the defense, but. Uh, you know, Quinshawn Judkins, uh, absolute stud. You know, Bentley um, has played a lot of football at SMU, was, was banged up most of the year uh, last season, and then just kind of was relegated to like third or, or even fourth string status at, at times. But he's a guy that I, I think will contribute more uh, this year. And, you know, you look at the schedule, I initially marked them six and two with four uh, swing games being uh, at Tulane in week two. I have them losing at Alabama. I have the LSU game at home uh, as a swing game. I have a swing game at home with A&M where they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite in the games of the year. Having losing at Georgia where they're a anywhere from 18 to 19-and-a-half-point dog uh, in games of the year. And then at Mississippi State being that fourth uh, swing game. And like I said, two losses already factored in and they're a one and a half point underdog in the egg bowl in games of the year uh, lines. But out of those four swing games, I think they're going to get at least two. And uh, if they, I, I think they will be eight and three and will be a winner on this over seven and a half play going into the egg bowl. Uh, in my opinion, like I said, I think they lose at Bama at Georgia 
I think they get the swing game at Tulane, although it will not be easy. Willie Fritz and Michael Pratt uh, will certainly be ready for that one. Um, and I, I, I think they, you know, I, I would, I would, if it was pick them, I would pick LSU to win uh, in Oxford. But I do think they knock off A and M at home, and that would be that eighth win. Uh, so where there would be eight and three uh, going uh, to Starkville on Thanksgiving night. Yeah, the schedule's interesting, isn't it? Because I, like you said, you think back to last season, how they ended the year, but you look back at the the early part of the schedule last year, you're like, boy, it's hard to find a loss for them. And obviously they got off to a great start this year, a bit different with that game at Tulane. You got Alabama, LSU, Arkansas. Like there are a lot of yeah. interesting games early on. And it's not that it's flipped either because there's obviously some challenging games on the back end too, uh, like you said, with Georgia uh, added in there as well this season. So um, yeah, Ole Miss, I think, is one of the more intriguing teams in the SEC uh, just because of all the transfers, too. So, all right, Brian, this will make uh, a lot of our viewers happy because I don't know if you, you're in on the secret here, but the first fan base that really took to Southeastern 14, and they have been here ever since, and that is the Hogs. The The Arkansas fans are here, and they are ready for your overpick for the, uh, the, the Hogs here. Uh, six and a half wins, what it set out for Arkansas heading into the season. We've talked a lot this summer um, just about kind of, you know, a team with two different new coordinators on each side, uh, both bring obviously a lot of things. And I think just given the personnel that will really help the Razorbacks uh, specifically that duo, KJ Jefferson, Rocket Sanders got some good players on the defensive side. So I'm with you here. Um, I think over six and a half, we, we, we really like Arkansas, I think here. Uh, and we've talked about them a lot this summer. So. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm right there uh, with you guys. And I think a lot of people forget how close they were to having a big season last year. I mean, yeah. they lost four games by nine uh, combined points, had no business losing that game against A&M. The, obviously, the fumble uh, by Jefferson uh, was a 13-point swing. I say that because A&M missed that extra point. And then, you know, if they're playing at a college stadium, that field goal by Cam Little would have been good late, yeah, late right. because of the you know, five feet higher and hit the, I don't know that I've ever seen a, a, a ball hit the top, <laughs> literally the top of the crossbar. I don't think, uh, I mean, the don't jump, remind them. Don't remind right? them. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. That was a tough one for, uh, for me as well. I, I had a little bit at plus two and a half that I got early in the week, but I also had some that pushed um, and a little money line, but it, anyhow, let's forget that one. But um, I, I said the four losses by nine complaint, nine combined, excuse me. And, um, and then, the, you know, KJ didn't play. I mean, they've had their best defensive effort against LSU, a uh, 13-10 to 10 loss. If KJ's playing, they, they're going to get to 14 uh, in that game. So they had some misfortune last year. Uh, but, look, I, I love what Pittman did, uh, not only retooling the talent uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but guys that have played a ton of football. I mean, Trey John Jeffcoat, um, 29 career starts, uh, at Missouri, John Morgan, uh, 14 uh, career sacks at, at, at Pitt, where they've got one of the best defensive line coaches in the country, where he's been um, the last either four years, maybe even five. I'm not sure if he's a, a super COVID senior, but uh, Morgan's played a lot of football. Keevy Rose, defensive tackle, 32 career starts at La Tech. Al Walcott, 20 career starts for Dave Aranda in his secondary at Baylor and LaRondo Johnson at corner. 13 career starts um, at Baylor. And then, uh, you know, Jaheim Thomas, uh, 93 tackles the last two years uh, at Cincinnati. So they've added guys that have played a lot 
of football. Dwight McLaughlin, one of the best cover corners uh, in the SEC. And, and as you noted, you know, KJ and Rocket Sanders um, are, are, might be certainly in the top three or four of one, two QB running back combos uh, in the country. And so, you know, I, I get the wide receiver position being, being a bit of concern. I, I know they've got a lot of optimism uh, for the four-star uh, transfer from uh, Bowling Green, uh, Tyrone Broden, uh, who, who had a big season uh, for the Falcons, who shockingly uh, got to a bowl game uh, last year. And they also have um, uh, the D2 uh, transfer, um, uh, uh, Jaden, no, not Jaden Wilson. Um, Isaac, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name, but, but he's got a lot of experience, uh, at the D2 level and is a, a big six, four target. And, um, they also got a tight end, uh, that was first team all conference USA at North Texas last year. So some new pieces, but seemingly, uh, pretty talented guys for KJ, uh, to target, and uh, I mean, you know, Rocket Sanders might be the best running back in the country, and you can also throw it to him. So uh, the schedule is always half the battle. And I think you look at, at the Razorback schedule and especially the way they handled BYU in what was a, a tough spot last year. You know, they had already traveled um, two of the three previous weeks and then they had to go uh, out into altitude and they just smashed BYU that game. And so I think you got to give them a W at home uh, to BYU. So I think they win the first three. I think they win the last three, which are at home to Auburn, FIU, and Missouri. And so there's six right there. Now the middle of that schedule is <laughs> so brutal. I mean, that is just a murderer's stretch. At LSU, A&M and Arlington, at Ole Miss, and at Alabama, so I mean they got to get on an airplane four Fridays in a row, and then at the tail end of that, when they're finally back at home for Mississippi State, they're going to be you know kind of beat up coming off that stretch, and Mississippi State's got two weeks to prepare. Now they do get an advantageous spot, however, at Florida because the Gators will be in letdown mode, having played Georgia the week before, and maybe a little beat up physically, whereas Arkansas has two weeks to prepare. So assuming they get that first three, the last three, um, okay, I think they can win against AM, although they are a three-point underdog in games of the year. They can certainly beat Mississippi State at home and, and will be favored in that game, you know, barring a rash of injuries or KJ Hurt, what have you. And I'm way down on my Gators. I certainly think that they can win at Florida. And so let's say they slip up in uh, one of the first three or last three, which I guess we'd probably say maybe Auburn at home yeah. would be the, probably that toughest. Out of, even if they slip up there, and so that gives us five wins out of the first three, last three, I think they beat Mississippi State at home. That's six. So then they just got a split out of the A&M and at Florida to get to seven. And, hey um, – I'm not saying Ed Ole Miss is a guaranteed loss. I mean, they beat Ole Miss by 15 last year. They had that epic game two years ago in Oxford where they went for too late and didn't get it and lost 52 to 51. So uh, I'm I'm real confident in Arkansas uh, to get to at least seven wins. And, and I won't be surprised, um, you know, if they – in fact, I think they have an eight-win season and maybe catch a break here or there. 
could get to nine. We'll see. Um, big, but a big year for Sam Pittman because uh, he kind of overachieved the first two years, and then last year maybe kind of underachieved a little bit, lost the close games. So, uh, but I know they love him there. I'm not implying he's on the yeah. hot seat, but it'd be nice to. And he's doing recruiting. He's recruiting well for 2024. So, um, I feel good about the Hogs this year. Well, and what's interesting too, you talk about this, like their schedule, what I find interesting about it. And we go back to last year's schedule. Everybody's like, my goodness, what a brutal schedule. You think about what it was last year. I feel like this year, their last four SEC games, Mississippi state, Florida, Auburn, Missouri. I feel like at least to me, there is such a wide variety of outcomes with those four teams specifically. And you talked about it like with Florida and, you know, Mississippi state, it's a year of transition there. I know Zach Arnett's been there, but new offense, those kind of things. Auburn, you know, do, do they have the personnel to, to really make a huge push in Hugh Freeze's first season? Missouri's got the defense. Do they have the offense? So, like, there's just so many fascinating questions, I think, with those four teams. So, like you said, if you just get off to a good start in your Arkansas, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of potential to, to pick up a lot of wins. And so I like that one, too, uh, as you look at those. All right, before we go into, like, our week zero, week one, a uh, couple games we're going to look at there. Are there, any, is there anything else on the board, win total wise, that at least has caught your attention? Maybe you're not fully sure that you love it, but is there anything else that kind of stands out to you where things stand right now? Yeah. So, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, I initially did not want to play Kentucky over early in the summer. Um, most books had them at six and a half for their win total, and it, it was juiced on the over. Uh, I initially wrote down like when I got my Phil Steele magazine. So that was like, you know, late June. So this is, <laughs> we're going back at least six weeks, but it was minus 162 at FanDuel at that point. And I just don't, especially a bet that's going to, you know, be four months long. Um, I don't like to lay an expensive price like that. It, and if I do, I would just make a little, you know, small play right. on it. Cause you got to be like, you know, super duper confident if you're willing to w- risk 162 to win 100 so um some books have moved it to seven and it's around e- even money for the over and i just i prefer that even if i push on seven and would otherwise have won at six and a half but i i think kentucky can probably get to eight um look devin leary was fantastic at nc state two years ago a 35 to 5 TDINT ratio. Um, so I think he's an upgrade from Levis. I think Kentucky's receivers are probably as good as they've had in like a decade. Uh, Phil Steele's national unit rankings, and I, I'm not saying that that's the end all be all, but I, I think, you know, Phil does a good job, a really good job in this magazine. He's got them 22nd in the nation uh, at wide receiver. We know they're always going to be solid on defense. Uh, under Stoops, they did a good job in the portal. The 14th ranked transfer specific class, 12 transfers, six of them, uh, four stars. You know, they've still got uh, Jackson and Lovett and uh, J.J. Weaver's been playing good ball for them uh, for years. And um, I thought Dane Key at wide receiver had a really good uh, freshman season. Barry on Brown uh, was outstanding. So I mean, they've got all their receivers back. And, uh, you know, they'll miss uh, Rodriguez, but uh, I like McLean uh, at running back uh, as well. And then, you know, one more thing on Leary. Uh, before he got hurt last year, they only had one loss, and that was at Clemson. Yeah. 
Um, so he was on his way to having a really good uh, year after the 35 to 5 uh, TDI and T ratio. So not, I'm not as bullish on this Kentucky over seven as I am those three out of the West, LSU, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. Uh, but I did make uh, a little bit of play on it on one of my accounts whenever it, it moved to seven and the price was different. So you look at them, uh, you know, those three, the first three games are layups. Uh, obviously, they lost to Vandy at home, so they could lose at Vandy, yeah. but that'll be a revenge game. I like their chances there. I, I mentioned how low I am on my Gators. Um, and, and the Gators don't own Kentucky like they did for 30 <laughs> plus years. Uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of turned a little bit the last like five years. Um, so, I mean, there's the possibility they start five and oh, I mean, some people might say, you know, that they're really confident they they start five and oh, uh, they're going to lose at Georgia. They're going to be favored against Missouri at home and the Tennessee game. That is a brutal spot for Tennessee. It's the week after Alabama. They got to travel two weeks in a row. Uh, Kentucky's in revenge mode here. Uh, You know, Kentucky gets absolutely smoked in Knoxville uh, last year. Kentucky's going to be watching that Bama game, relaxing, getting healthy. They've got two weeks to prepare for the Vols. I think that. Uh, is I'm not saying they definitely win that game, but I, that's you know one of those games you circle before the season and are like, okay, that's a good situation uh, for Kentucky. And you know, Starkville will be a tough game. They they very well may lose that one. Um, we'll see on Alabama. Uh, I, you know, we'll see on Alabama's quarterback situation. I, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having my doubts about Alabama. I'm not going to be shocked <laughs> if they have, I mean, if they go eight and four, nine and three, the sky will be falling. And I, I think that's a possibility if the quarterback play uh, isn't, you know, uh, per, you know, pretty good at South Carolina will be tough and, and, but they've dominated Louisville. So I, I think they win that one. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, they get to at least seven and pro- I, I have them going uh, eight and four, but, you know, if they win that Tennessee game and they can, you know, get one of those, whether it be in Starkville or Columbia out of Mississippi State and South Carolina, don't lose any that you're supposed to at home. In fact, only lose Alabama at home, then then nine and three could be the deal for them. Yeah, Cats, uh, they're another team. I think we talked a lot about this summer. Everybody knows Blaine is very high on Kentucky. Um, Just talking about that combination, like you mentioned, all the playmakers offensively with Devin Leary coming in, Ray Davis, Barry and Brown, and and just keep going down the mix, knowing they're going to be good on defense. And so, yeah, but it's the schedule, getting two home games against Tennessee and Alabama. What a fascinating setup that could be. Um, And that place will be rocking, as we know, if Kentucky is playing well at that point for those two. So. Shame on me for not mentioning Ray Davis. I mean, if you run for over a thousand yards of Vandy, hey. uh, you should probably get a mention from me on that. <laughs> That's all right. It's um, listen, we forget stuff all the time on here. So. All right. Speaking of Vandy, that's a nice transition. That, that's why you, you left it out because you wanted to make the perfect transition into our next uh, part here. We're going to go to week zero. We're going to start looking at a couple of games here. We'll talk about this week, next week, we'll, we'll start looking at some other ones, but Vandy Hawaii is the the kickoff game SEC wise for a second straight year. Of course, Vandy went there, won sixty three to ten last season. Um, this season, this one's in Nashville. So Hawaii comes over here. Um, 
interesting kind of setup here. If you look at uh, the odds right now, I think it's 17 and a half to 18 somewhere. Vandy the favorite. Uh, but if you look at the total on this one, I know this is one that's very interesting for you, Brian, um, looking at the total for this one and thinking there's probably going to be some points put up in this game. Yes, uh, just like uh, last year. So uh, I made this play a couple of weeks ago, and um, it was at 54 pretty much across the board. Uh, I only see 154 left right now, and that's at win bet. Uh, DraftKings is still at 54 and a half, and a couple of offshores are still 54 and a half. But there is movement, and it's headed up. Uh, Westgate Superbook at 55 and a half, and Circa is at 56. But when I um, was talking about it a couple of weeks ago, I, I said that I would like it all the way up to 56. So betting over unders, obviously multiples of seven uh, or a key number. So 56 is, is a key number. As long as you can get it at 56 or fewer, uh, I think you'll be uh, in good shape. So I, I think Clark Lee has found his quarterback of the present and future for a true freshman you know, playing against SEC defenses and not having, you know, you know, and basically having inferior talent uh, game in and game out. I thought A.J. Swan was very impressive. Uh, 10 to 2 uh, TDI and T ratio. I think they've got a legit star in Will Shepard, who is, uh, you know, preseason, like second team or even third team all SEC in most, you know, publications. And, and Jaden McGowan had a, had a breakout, you know, freshman year, 44 catches, 453 yards and three touchdowns. Um, so I think they've, I mean, they, they're going to miss Ray Davis. Uh, I know they've got high hopes for the uh, true freshman who was in for the spring, uh, Cedric Alexander. Uh, we'll see on him, but the, the most of the basis of this play is just that both teams have bad defenses yeah. and you, you, you look, you look last year. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think Vandy might've had two defensive touchdowns in that game, but still 63 to 10, it got to 73. Uh, Vandy gave up 30, an average of 36 points per game uh, last year. Uh, 10 of their 12 games had 55 combined points or more, they had uh, combined scores of 73, 73, 70, 66, 80, um, 65. So uh, a lot of points get scored on Vandy. And the same uh, with Hawaii. You know, Hawaii had combined scores 73, 66, 66, 71, um, 68, 75. Um, and they also had a 56. Uh, as well. So six Hawaii games had 66 combined or more. They gave up an average of 34.7 points per game, but, uh, but they had some decent defensive efforts against like the lower tier of the mountain West. When, when Hawaii faced any offense with a pulse, you know, they were giving up a ton of points. So I just think we're dealing with two bad defenses and, um, yeah, I think we'll get to at least 56. So if you can get, I mean, preferably get in at, uh, you know, 54 and a half or 55. But um, that's my favorite play uh, in week uh, zero, which we're only, uh, what, 16 days away from. Yeah, we're not that far away. And like you said, I think it's, you know, we we did kind of our, our overview, our preview on Bandy Hawaii, I guess it was last week now. And it was looking at Hawaii, really going to rely on a lot of transfers on that defense and needing, 
those guys to step in right away. And and obviously Vanderbilt, I think, you know, we know Clark Lee is defensive minded guy. I think they'll be better there, but it's still something where, as you said, I mean, it's a team that's allowed at least 35 points per game the past two seasons. And so um, that is uh, something they will have to fix quickly if they are going to make their sense uh, in the SEC East. So yeah, very interesting matchup week zero. Uh, I don't think this one's going to be a 53 point difference this time uh and i know no. we we're talking more total but uh I, I do think yeah it's there should be some points that's the best one to go with there all right let's get to the the main events perhaps uh of the college football week and week one and that is florida state and lsu the game that's uh obviously everyone talking about sec wise uh two teams that certainly have national championship aspirations meeting in week one uh again and we remember what happened last season one of wild wild game to start uh last season and now we get the rematch here in orlando between these two brian this is uh such a fascinating matchup between these two teams and i think you really look at as you talked about earlier with lsu we kind of mentioned in the win total just everything that lsu brings to the table uh, but what stands out to you specifically in this matchup against this Florida State team? Well, FSU, you know, they have their highest uh, expectations uh, since Jimbo uh, left. Uh, Jordan Travis is legit, man. He's really good. And Norvell uh, did a really good job of, you know, adding some uh, some real key pieces in the portal and certainly a name we're all familiar with with from South Carolina and Jaheim Bell. And then you also get the, the late get kind of like Zakari Franklin for Ole Miss. You get, uh, and you know, a big guy and Keon Coleman, six, four, uh, out of Michigan state, uh, 12 starts last year, you know, and it got poor quarterback play and, and still had 798, uh, receiving yards. He's a guy go up in traffic and, and make big plays. Um, so, you know, Travis has got weapons around him. Benson, uh, one of the better running backs um, in the ACC. Um, but the thing with me with, with FSU is, uh, you know, just the, the the last two memories of our def- of their defense. Excuse me. Um, I think I actually even mentioned that earlier. Uh, you know, Florida can do hardly anything against Vanderbilt the week before, and then they go to FSU, and they had five receivers out, two starters were out with, with injuries, and uh, and Richardson only completed one pass to a receiver that whole night, uh, that being Pearsall. It was quite a few of uh, their connections, though, and two touchdowns. But, you know, to give up 38 to Florida um, – and then Oklahoma brings its JV squad to Orlando, and FSU had no opt-outs. FSU, I mean, I'm sorry, Oklahoma had like four or five opt-outs from their, their offense um, alone and, uh, and had some guys that had already entered the portal uh, as well, and it's basically home field, same venue that we're going to have for this one as FSU is down in, in Orlando. Everybody's all in, going for a 10-win season, and yet – they gave up more than 500 yards of offense uh, to Oklahoma and have to get that late field goal uh, to win. So I, I guess my only point is I think FSU is good, and I think they have a, a lot going for them offensively. Um, and, it, you know, and he added some parts defensively. Um, uh, Norville, that is, from, from the portal, uh, they got, a you know, a really good – uh, D tackle uh, from out of the Mac and Braden Fiske, 
uh, was first team all Mac at Western Michigan uh, last year. Um, but I just, I still have questions about this defense and um, LSU's got revenge mode. That was the first game of Kelly's tenure. They did muff two punts. Uh, although, you know, FSU made its own mistakes that allowed LSU. Certainly it was a horrible play call by Norvell. Um, a wide pitch with a seven point lead on third and goal. And they end up fumbling. That was uh, not very smart, nor was his throwing the ball in field goal range at NC State down too late. Um, so uh, we'll see. I, I just prefer LSU's roster overall. I don't really give FSU that much of a, a home field uh, factor. Uh, I'm not positive on this, but I think they, I don't know if they split them 50 50, but I know FSU took a monster contingent to New Orleans last yeah. year. And I think LSU will have a big contingent in Orlando. Not as much. It'll be, you know, a little bit of a home field uh, advantage uh, for FSU, but uh, in terms of crowd noise and, and fans. But LSU will bring a minimum of 20, maybe even 30,000 uh, fans to Orlando. And uh, I just like LSU to win. So the, the line's been bouncing from two to three kind of all summer after uh, FanDuel, like in March, opened at FSU minus one. Uh, but if, if you're at LSU minus three or fewer, I think that's the play in this one. Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of, again, you, you mentioned earlier, like you just read off all the things that LSU has on this team this season. As we said, I think they are definitely a team that can can make a push for, good segue here, uh, to bring it to the next part, because I know, you made a bet. Um, I don't remember exactly the timeline you said, but I know you got the LSU to win the college football playoff at 16 to one. You said now it's down to probably 10, 11 in most places. And so the, the getting was good to get it at 16 because that boy is, has started to shift. So, yeah, I don't know that I recommend it um, at, for our listeners at only uh, 10 to one. I, yeah. I, I just, I, it was, it looked kind of tasty there at 16 to one. It's not <laughs> like I, I made a, a significant bet on it. I just uh, made a small, uh, play on it because um, I just thought 16 to one for a team that I, I think has a really good chance to get to the CFP. Um, you know, if you, if they just get to the semifinals and are sitting there at 16 to one, you know, they don't have to win it necessarily for you to profit. You know, you could, no. uh, you could take whoever they play in the semifinals. You could take their future number to win it, which if they LSU loses, you would still have that future number alive in the finals. Or you could, depending on the spread, and hope, you know, ideally LSU would be favored, and you could just take uh, whoever they're playing in the semifinals, either on the money line or plus the points. So uh, to when you got a 16 to 1 number, you don't have to win that bet to make money. Um, you can find different ways uh, to hedge, and hopefully we'll be sitting here. Um, you know, four months from now, talking about an LSU CFP <laughs> semifinal matchup and talking about those hedge possibilities, that, that'll be the goal. But, I, you know, at 10 or 11 to 1, I think a little of the value is out of there. And if you if anybody did play it, I would say just very small change. Don't don't make a big investment on it. Yep. If they're there, you better believe we will be clipping that segment right there back in to uh, let you know that, that Brian had it from the very start. Uh, all right, Brian, before we wrap up, uh, just we're going to pull this up here. Just a, a general look here at the week one schedule, which, of course, includes Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Anything else you're kind of looking at? And we'll obviously talk more about this uh, here in the next couple of weeks. 
leading into the start of the season. But anything else that's kind of catching your eye right now, I'm sure we'll get into other big games like Utah, Florida, maybe South Carolina, North Carolina here in the near future. But but what else kind of stands out to you in week one of the SEC? Well, with with uh, Florida and Utah, you know, we don't know about Cam Rising. Yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna know uh, for a couple of weeks. I know he's still limited. Um, or I, I saw a note yesterday that he was still limited. I had I had read a lot about it about a week ago, uh, where you know he's throwing and dropping back, but they had yet to clear him uh, for you know side by side move and you know quick reaction stuff. But you know we're still. Um, what are we? Well, we're still what three weeks from today. Three weeks, basically, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm sure they'll ramp him up a week, week and a half from now, and we'll see. But I mean, it, it's a major downgrade from from rising. And then you know, if he plays, is he 80 percent or is he 90 percent? No. Um, but like I, I briefly noted, I'm way down on my Gators. I've been going to the swamp since 81. I have never had lower expectations in my lifetime. And that is no hyperbole whatsoever. And it's not even close. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember a season where I have gone in thinking, Oh, there's no way we can win eight or nine games. And I really don't think, I think seven is probably Florida's ceiling, but I will say Billy Napier as a head coach, he's been an underdog 23 times and he's 17, five and one against mm-hmm. the spread with 10 outright wins. So I'm not endorsing, you know, we got to find about out about rising and I'm sure we'll talk yeah. about this in a couple of weeks, but, um, uh, and anyhow, um, uh, so every other week, one game, I'm trying to think, uh, so we've you got, know, let's see, South Carolina, North Carolina. I know that's oh, one people are interested in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have made a play on South Carolina. It's not a huge play, but, um, I just love how Spencer Rattler was playing uh, late in the year. And obviously right. North Carolina has got a great quarterback uh, in Drake May as well. But they got some bad news the other day with uh, the transfer from the Mac uh, Watkins. Who, that, yeah. yeah uh, now, Mac Brown implied they were still appealing it. So maybe it's not official. But, um, yeah, I just – I like so- – in general, anytime it's SEC, ACC, uh, I think you're going to hit a very high percentage, especially if it's a tight you know, line like this. Right. Um, if you go SEC, especially when you're getting a, a few points. And uh, so it looks like there's a couple of offshores are at three. Most books are still at two and a half. Um, you know, if your book's two and a half, I would probably recommend maybe buying that half point to the key number uh, of three just in case. But uh, this is going to be a good game. And um, I, I'm not saying it's like one of my favorite bets of week one, but I, I have played uh, South Carolina and I did buy the half point uh, to the key number of three. North Carolina, you know, they lose Josh Downs. Uh, they lose um, uh, the wide receiver to Antoine Green, I believe. Uh, and and now this Watkins kid, maybe not it in there. So Drake May is not going to have nearly the weapons. And I still have a lot of questions about North Carolina's uh, defense. So all those reasons and just the way that uh, Juice Wells and Rattler, uh, their chemistry late last year. Um, and, you know, they had so much momentum last year. That's why I was, you know, disappointed for them that, you know, Marshawn Lloyd left. Jordan Birch goes to Oregon. Bell goes to FSU. You know, somebody that finished the season so strong, you would wouldn't think have three of their best players take off. Although I get it for bell because he did not get enough touches last year, but, um, um, one last thing to carry on joiner, 
get the guy the ball, man. I don't care if you play him at <laughs> running back, quarterback, wide receiver, wherever the hell you want to play him. Get to carry on Joyner some touches. He was the MVP of the Mayo Bowl against the Tar Heels two years ago. Yeah, not not many touches. What was it last year? They had 12 carries, 56 yards, something. Yeah, I'm pulling it up here now. So get the man some touches, like you said, uh, certainly someone. And look, I think the interesting thing with South Carolina, and I think this is why I've seen a lot of different opinions on them. Um, Beamer has pointed out time and time again, it seems like. you know, He said, look, we got 38 new players on this roster. We expect to play true freshmen at pretty much every position at some point in the season, which, you know, that can be a little, I don't think he's going to, I think Spencer Rattler's probably okay for the time being, but it's just, I think making it clear that he is very interested to see what he has in this roster because there's a lot of new faces. And that's why I think South Carolina is one of those teams that some people may have a hard time getting a read on early in the season. Like you said, there's a lot of potential there though with them for sure. When you look at the roster. Yeah. I, I think it might be the most difficult read in the conference, maybe. I mean, because they, I, you know, I, at running back uh, and on the O line and D line, I have some questions, but where they're good, they're real good. Um, yeah. Especially, I mean, Rattler, I mean, he, nobody in the country was playing better than him the last three or four games last year. And then uh, I know it doesn't get a lot of mention, but they got the best special teams in the country. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Phil Steele's national unit rankings got has them the Uno and the special teams. Beamer ball. Yeah, and I think the secondary wide receiver are, are elite, but there are some question marks. I, I think they are a tough, and, and yet it's a pass for me on their win total. Yeah, because consistency too, like you said, that was something where they go, and, and Beamer's pointed this out a lot, they go from playing like they played at Florida to them playing like they played against Tennessee last year and just the miles of difference in between um, those two performances and, of course, to beat Tennessee and Clemson, but still had those games like Florida, Missouri, those kind of ones on the schedule too. So, yeah, hard hard to maybe get a read on South Carolina with a lot of new players. Here's the difference uh, in those two performances. So they were plus eight at Florida, and they lose by 32. So they lose by 24 to the point spread. They were plus 22 at home to Tennessee, and they went by 25, so they were plus 47 to the point wow. spread wow. one week later. So, yeah, that is uh, <laughs> night night and day for sure. Yeah, we will put them as the most difficult team uh, in terms of that right now. We will get a little bit more of a sample size early in the season, especially with game one against North Carolina. All right, Brian. Um Tremendous stuff, I think, that to start this off here. This was a lot of fun to go into all these different uh, numbers. And specifically, I know there are people that have asked us before. They're like, hey, we'd love to hear more stuff just about the betting process itself as we go into making bets on these games. And I know we will get into a lot more of that kind of stuff as we move forward. But, uh, of course, it's been on the screen at the bottom, this entire conversation. If you want to see where to find Brian's all, all of his stuff, you can find all of his work there. And anything else you want to plug, Brian, before we hop off? Uh, no, uh, I would, I would say, um, the Ole Miss and Arkansas, I wrote a lot about those yep. two plays and you can find those articles. We'll put the um, links to those okay, in the description. Awesome. Yep. We'll Appreciate do that. It. Yeah. Yeah. You can check those articles out. And I also have my, um, last thing is, um, my overall power rankings, like nationally, just, to, I, I just went to the top 50. I'm going to finish them 
and have it all the way to 130. What are we at now? 132 or yeah. three with Jack State and Sam Houston. But um, I'll have those done soon. But um, you can check those out either on Major Wager or uh, Brian Edwards Sports.com. Enjoyed it, uh, Blake. And uh, again, fired up to uh, be with you guys and, um, you know, do regular content each and every week. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. As you guys heard, know, I mean, you heard it. Ryan's got a lot of knowledge on this stuff, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make the decision now. We're going to talk about your power rankings the next time we do this because I think that's an interesting discussion too as we head our next season. And as we said, we will talk about a lot more of these games heading into week zero, week one uh, in the SEC. So be sure to hit that subscribe button uh, on YouTube. And if you're listening to this, as I said, if you want to listen to this all the way through, uh, start to finish, you can do that on our podcast feed, which you can find on any podcast app you search for Southeast 14. If you want to just watch it kind of chopped up into different clips like we do looking at different teams specifically, you'll find all those videos on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button wherever you are. And we appreciate you guys watching and listening as always. And we'll talk to you next time here at Southeastern 14.